You are listening to The Heart of Christ, a year-long podcast of Wheatland Presbyterian Church. Throughout 2022, we will spend time reflecting on Dane Ortland's book, Gentle and Lowly, so we can come to know not only what Jesus has done, but who he is. What is his deepest heart for his people, people who are weary, stumbling, sinners, and sufferers? So we invite you to grab your Bibles, prepare your hearts, and come along with us as we find rest in the gentle and lowly heart of Christ. Welcome to episode four of The Heart of Christ. My name is Keith Winder, one of the pastors at Wheatland, and today I'm joined by Aaron Quillen. Aaron is a member of Wheatland who's been attending here for about three years, and we just spent about 10 minutes trying to figure out if that was actually (laughs) correct or not, but it's give or take three years. And Aaron and I will be reflecting on chapter four of Gentle and Lowly, which is entitled Able to Sympathize. So first of all, Aaron, I know you're really excited to do this with so me. Excited. Uh, yes. So thank you for agreeing. Um, but also, before we get going, I want you to share just a little bit. You could talk for 30 seconds or five minutes uh, about yourself in case there are people listening that don't know you. Sure. So like you said, I have been at attending Wheatland for approximately three years. Um, I've lived in Lancaster almost 10 years, which is crazy. Um, went to LBC, Lancaster Bible College, as an undergrad student and have been in the area since then. I work at Lancaster Bible now and am in a Master of Arts in Biblical Studies program there. Um, live right here in Lancaster. I drink a lot of coffee and I read a lot of books. One question that I'm asking everyone in slightly different ways um, is that when we read through this book, Gentle and Lowly, Dane Ortland says that the only time Jesus, and I believe him because he says it and he's a pastor in the PCA, uh, the only time Jesus describes the heart of his own heart is in Matthew 11 when he says that he is gentle and lowly in heart. So before you read this book, or as you're reading this book, if someone asks you, like, Aaron, what's, tell me about Jesus. What's Jesus like? What may have you, what, you, what might you have said to them if they ask, what's Jesus like? Hmm. Yeah, so as I have been listening sort of along as you've asked this question, I realized um, that I would never have thought about this in the context of like, what is Jesus' heart? I don't think that's a question that I necessarily have thought to ask in that specific way. I think that if I were to describe Jesus, I would have, you know, I would have said that he is compassionate, that he um, is kind, is loving, um, that he was you know, not necessarily ever what we would expect um, in terms of his interactions with people while he walked on earth. Um, But in terms of actually asking about, like, what is his heart? I don't know that that's a question that I have really asked or thought about in that way. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I I think Samuel mentioned that at some point. Like, he's like, I've never really thought about Jesus's heart. And I had never thought about that idea until Samuel pointed out. And I was like, oh, you're right. Like, I've never thought... I've never thought specifically like what is the thing what is what's within jesus that drives him what is spilling out of him because it's part of his character like we could list character traits about jesus like attributes yeah but to think of it in his humanity as something like this is spilling out of him is something that only four chapters in has been lovely for me with this Mm -hmm. book um yeah and i like that idea that he is unexpected like he 
any time that people began to think, oh, I know what Jesus is going to be like, then he would do something, and then the right. crowds or the disciples would say, wait a minute, no, what, what in the world are you doing? Uh, and to yes. think of Jesus as gentle and lowly, hmm. for me, is unexpected. Mm-hmm. Lowly, I tend to not think of as a positive thing. Right. I tend right. to just think no. of it as a, yeah. a, a thing, yeah. that maybe even something to be avoided. Right. But not aspirational. Yeah, yeah, Lowly right. is not something that we see as like a leadership trait mm-hmm. or a... I think even if we think back to like, there were so many people who expected Jesus to come like in power and that he was going to rule like within government and be like a lowly is not a, a trait that we think of as a, like a strong positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No one has ever said, what would you like in a king? Right. And lowly never comes up right. in the five. Like maybe no. gentle, maybe. You get yeah. a really thoughtful person that's like, I want my yes. king to be gentle, but sure. lowly, not as much. No. So chapter four um, really covers this, these three verses in Hebrews four. And so I thought I'd read them because then they're in our heads as we chat, but also if, as you're listening, it's also in their heads. So these are the three verses in Hebrews four. It says, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a great high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So my first reaction to this when I, when I read this, particularly this idea that, we, that Jesus sympathizes with our weakness, he's been tempted as we are yet without sin. My first response to that is always, wait, so he's not able to sympathize with us yeah. in our weakness. Because... Mm-hmm. If he, if he did it and then didn't sin, he actually doesn't get it. He doesn't get what my life is like because he did it mm-hmm. and he went through this, but he did this perfectly. Which, yeah. then the more I think about it, that doesn't make any sense because mm-hmm. really what I'm saying there is that I wish Jesus had failed. Right. <laughs> like it would have right. been better. Oh yeah, it'd be better yeah. Jesus if he would fail. He would, mm-hmm. Which doesn't make any sense because mm-hmm. now he's not king and lord and savior if he has failed. So, mm-hmm. and also I think... With verse 16, that wouldn't bring any confidence when I draw near the throne. If I'm drawing near the throne of a God uh, who has failed. Mm -hmm. So as you think, not even necessarily about this chapter in the book, but about this passage, how have you maybe appreciated some of these ideas? Or also how has it been challenging for you? So I, I think I've had a similar approach to this in the sense of sort of brushing off the reality that Jesus is able to identify or sympathize with our weakness because I have always thought like well how much can you really sympathize if he he wasn't going to sin like there was no sin in him and so how much you know what what would that kind of sympathy even look like mm-hmm. um yeah so yeah. I think I've always I've had similar thoughts of like well, is that really the sympathy that I want but at the same time like you said like you know, do we want a king who is, is just like us or as limited as us? I would say, no, we don't. Um, but I have sort of gotten into that loop of, of wondering or not being able to comprehend a sympathy that didn't, you know, Jesus can sympathize with our weakness and yet did not sin. Um, that makes him feel profoundly different in that experience than me, which is, is true, but that has been something that's hard for me sometimes to understand. Yeah, like I, I imagine it comes from, 
like maybe it's our our failure to recognize what sympathy really mm. is, or at least the way yeah, it's being used in the Bible. Right. That like I tend to think, oh, uh, sympathy is just when someone feels bad for me. Right. Uh, I was like, oh, I'm so right. sorry. About <laughs> right. That. Um, yeah. And or like that sympathy, like you can't sympathize because you've never been. You're not exactly like me. Yes. So how would you know? And like you can't exactly relate like in the same yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. But then sympathy, I think here, what it's getting at is just the longing to and the ability mm. to feel with. I yes. think if that's sim, if that's with uh, and pathy, like to feel, to experience emotion. So it's like yeah. sympathy. Jesus sympathizes with us not because he's exactly like us, right. but because he feels with us. Hmm. Because yeah. he's been through all the things Yes. That we've we've been through. So maybe it's yeah. just maybe we're just hmm. bad. We're bad with our definitions. That's probably that, true. That we, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's likely. Yeah. So he brings up this idea that Jesus, um, and this was really helpful for me. Uh, it was really mm. helpful for me to hear. Yeah. But he brings up this idea that Jesus Christ, although he is in heaven with the Father, is just as tender and loving in his embrace of us as sinners as he was when he walked on earth, mm. and. That was helpful for me to hear. I think not. Be, I'm not necessarily thinking that I've struggled with that. That uh, I haven't thought consciously. Oh, Jesus mm. can't be tender and loving towards me because he's in heaven. How could he possibly do that? But I probably, when I read that description, I thought, oh, I think I actually do. <laughs> I think I do struggle mm. with that, or at least yeah. I feel this distance between me and Jesus Christ because he's not mm. around. Like, how yeah. can Jesus love me now? as well as he loved Peter or John or Mary Magdalene or the people that he came into sort of physical contact with. And I think for me, it's been this struggle with what it means to be loved when I can't tangibly mm. feel it or mm -hmm. see it. Like, is it really possible for me to be loved when I can't point to, oh, I had this interaction with mm -hmm. you and now I know that you love me and you care for me. So what does it look like for yeah. you or how have you experienced the mm -hmm. gentle, love of Jesus, even though uh, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father in heaven and his, his spirit is now bringing comfort. But how have, you, how have you experienced that gentleness and love and the way that he showed it to his disciples and others? Yeah, so I, I mean, that statement really stood out to me too, um, this idea that Jesus is toward us um, just as tender and loving as he was on earth. I think it is really easy for me to see to fall into thinking about God as far off um, and sort of looking on toward mm -hmm. our difficulty or struggle. I know that like in my subconscious, that's something that I can tend toward. And so I think that it's easy for me to, you know, hypothetically know those attributes of Jesus, you know, from his time on earth, we know that he is compassionate. We know that he, um, is loving toward sinners and outcasts and those like downtrodden, forgotten, all of these things we know, um, but it's easy to separate those things from myself and from my own experience. Mm -hmm. So that statement, while I wouldn't have ever said that that wasn't true or that I disagreed with that statement, it really did stand out to me. And I think that honestly, like when it comes down to it, the thing that sort of shatters that belief or reminds me that he is not God far off is is just those moments of like there's so much that I see of God's mercy 
in very small things and mm-hmm. in tangible ways that yeah, are yeah. through other people, through his working through the church, um, through receiving just grace and good things that I don't deserve. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, I think, is the greatest confrontation to this idea that God is far off and removed is that he really does care about the details and the small things in my life that, yeah. you know, are not... It's not just a matter of him saying, like, okay, you're saved and now you're on your own, um, mm-hmm. but, but being actively and sovereignly involved in, in the really small areas yeah. of my life. Yeah, and I think, like you're saying, like experiencing God's gentleness and love mm. through the church, we tend, like, we all affirm, oh, he's the head of the church, mm. we're his body, but then yeah. we don't tend to take that that doctrinal truth yeah. and play that out in our lives. Oh, well, that, oh, that person, right. my friend from church helped me. That was just my friend from church helping me and showing me love. No, yeah. that's actually Jesus yes. and your friend in yeah. union together showing you love and care and gentleness. Hmm. And that's like, I like that, like what you're saying, yeah. like Jesus isn't far off. Okay, in one sense he is, right. but then in another sense, he is working through his brothers and sisters, his hmm. body. Uh, for us and that is Jesus being yeah that is Jesus making himself known to us in these in these little sometimes little ways sometimes really big ways big and drastic ways and that is like if you think about sort of the function of the church is like a provision from God and that it is sort of acting out his work in the world Mm -hmm. I think that is a big way that we see or hope to see the gentleness and love coming through yeah 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 i think that's why it's so uh i'll bring this up when we're almost done but like i'm i've tried to be really careful when i think about this book just in my own personal reading but also talking to others to not jump to okay jesus is gentle lowly in heart so therefore go and be gentle and lowly just like (laughs) jesus even though that's obviously true and we should Mm -hmm. but this book keeps pushing us to Mm -hmm. no just rest in that jesus is gentle and lowly and that he's coming toward you and he's with you as a sinner and a sufferer. But even in the midst of that, we can still recognize the ways that Jesus is doing that through others toward right. toward us right. and, and recognize that as Jesus working yeah. in us. Not, yes. not just, it's not just my friend. Mm-hmm. It's Jesus working yeah. through my friend. Yeah. Um, one, one connection that I think seems like the Hebrew writer, the writer of Hebrews is making, uh, in these verses is a connection to our head and our heart. And I know he never says it, so it's sort of implicit in a sense, um, but it's how I organize the thoughts in my head to keep things simple. Um, because he says that we must hold fast our confession, the sort of this doctrine of Christ, which is our, it's our head, like holding fast and recognizing and proclaiming this truth. And then also with confidence, we draw near to the throne of grace, which feels like this heart thing, this mm. thing comes out of mm. our heart, this confidence. So we have this head and heart, and in the middle, the two things that hold this together is that Jesus is able to sympathize with our weakness and temptation, yet without sin. And Ortland says this is sort of the anchor, this idea, this sympathy and faithfulness of Jesus is mm. the anchor that helps us hold fast our confession and also gives us confidence to approach our Father. So how, now you don't have to show all your deepest, darkest <laughs> secrets. This is probably not the place to do yeah, that necessarily. Probably. but. Um, like, how has that, mm. how is this fact that Jesus sympathizes with us in the midst of our struggle and temptation 
give you confidence or at least shaped the way mm. that you confess sin or shaped the way that you approach God in the midst of your struggle? Hmm. Yeah, I think that one thing that has been really helpful for me in thinking about this is to recognize that while, of course, you know, Jesus does not dismiss or minimize sin, he is also not surprised that we are sinners. Mm-hmm. Um, he like he yeah. knows that yeah. far more than I do, and he knows the cost of sin and the, the price that was required. He knows that we you know, needed someone to act on our behalf when we were dead in our sin. He knows all that more than I do. So when I fall short or sin or even just, you know, am limited in my human capacity, those are not things that he is shocked by. Mm -hmm. And I think that that um, has really been helpful for me as someone who can struggle toward perfectionism and wanting to be or at least appear um, like someone who has it all together to say like when I fall short Jesus is not surprised by that and Mm -hmm. is not like gasping in horror like he already knows that and so I think that that has really compelled me toward um, turning to him in that instead of trying to fix it myself or trying to kind of keep keep it to myself Um, I don't even know if that's a some people may just always have known that but Mm -hmm. to realize that coming to Christ with our sin is not shocking him. Yeah. Um, and, and I think one thing that's been really clear to me throughout reading this book so far is that that is what he wants of us. Like Jesus wants us to come to him. And I think for me, part of that was recognizing that he, he knows um, who we are and, and how short we often fall. Yeah. When I've talked with other people, this idea that you're pulling out that not only is Jesus willing mm. to hear us in our sin, mm-hmm. but like that he really wants it. Right. right. <laughs> like, and even I think in the, in chapter three, like this brings him joy. Yes. When we right. come to him struggling right. and hurting, like this brings him joy because right. this is what he longs to do. Yeah. This is what he was meant to do mm-hmm. uh, in many ways. And that is, yeah, that's, in one sense, even though I might know it's true, every time I say it out loud or I read it, like it blows my mind yeah. every single right. time. Like, oh wow! Like, right. how? How does right. that bring you joy? How can you? Yeah. How can you so much so desire for me to come to you in the midst of my sin, right. in the midst of my struggle? Like, yeah, it blows right. my mind every, every single time yeah. that I read it. To not think of that as like burdening or mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, I'm listening. Like, there's not a resistance or reluctance when we come to Christ yeah. and I think that sometimes I subconsciously believe that there is yeah like it's never a chore <laughs> yeah. yeah it's never as well Oof. my heart's bent this way so <laughs> yeah, I I I, I'll do it it's like no my right. heart's bent this way so yeah. I long I long to do it hmm. I long to do it yeah so we, we mentioned this idea that um we have to get our definition I guess mm. of sympathy right and that it's not I feel so bad for you. Because if that's how Jesus felt, yeah, maybe he wouldn't really want us to come to us all the time. <laughs> right. and, well, I feel, I feel real bad for you guys. That's, that's right. too bad. Um, but that, that sympathy isn't this sort of detached mm. pity. Yeah. But that sympathy, and I was reading a little bit about it, that it is so closely connected with compassion. Mm. And so, so closely connected with, in Exodus 34, when God says he's the Lord, the Lord Yahweh, a God of compassion, the first thing he says about himself 
uh, that this idea of sympathy must be connected. We must keep this connection with these. Mm. That sympathy and compassion both mean in some similar ways that we are affected with the same feeling mm. as someone else. And so I think with that in mind, when I think about that, oh, Jesus, the writer of Hebrews is saying that Jesus is affected with the same feeling. And his heart mm. brings him, draws him to that, to be affected with the same feeling. And the only reason he can do that is because he came to earth in the incarnation and now uh, has experienced the things that we have experienced. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, I think that has profound implications mm -hmm. for the way that we experience uh, maybe even particularly weakness. Mm -hmm. um, and it's maybe similar ideas of what you're already saying, but that in our weakness, yeah, Jesus comes to us not like, wow, I'm God and I'm detached from you and mm -hmm. I feel bad for you. Mm -hmm. But I, rec I, knew you were, I knew you in your weakness, so I came to you. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, I don't know if you've experienced that having implications for the way that you even think about weakness and Jesus' posture mm -hmm. toward your weakness. Yeah, I would say that, that really was actually the concept from this chapter that was most profound for me is is just the reminder that Jesus is not unmoved by our pain. Um, I'm a pretty practical person, and so I think it's easy for me to sort of understand the relationship between our weakness and our suffering um, in an overly practical way, in the sense that, like, while yes, it's true that God allows or ordains difficult things in our, our lives, and they are you know, sovereignly ordained to sanctify us and to, to draw us to him. Um, I think that I can sometimes make that um, a very detached process mm -hmm. where God is sort of just lobbing hard things at us to make <laughs> us better. Um, and that's not, yeah, yeah. that's not really how that works. Um, and so I think that, that I can, for myself particularly, I can jump toward like, this is good, it's sanctifying, it's supposed to be happening, and really dismiss some of those feelings of pain or suffering or struggle. And so I think to remember that, that Jesus is moved by our pain, he feels compassion toward us, he you know, sits with us in those feelings, um, not dismissing the good work that's happening, but also not dismissing like the very real experience of suffering. Um, that's huge for me, just to, to look at Jesus's posture toward us in those hard things, not as one of like, oh, well, I'm going to teach you a lesson, um, but, but as one who is with us and in, in that with us, mm -hmm. um, similar to a friend, like if you have a friend that you love and care about, um, and you're watching them experience a hard thing, um, you're not necessarily discounting that that is serving a good purpose in their life but you are still grieved um, that they hurt and feel mm -hmm. pain. Yeah. And I think that, that to remember that Jesus you know, has that posture and does that better than any of us can as a friend um, was, was really good for me to be yeah. reminded of. I think that's like what a gift we have on this side of the incarnation hmm. to see that we have such a huge world-shattering, tangible way that God yeah. says, I'm not distant, I'm not far right. off, I'm coming right. to you in the midst of your struggle and pain. Yes. And we, I mean, it's not that God, he didn't change, it's not like he wasn't like that mm. in the Old Testament before Jesus right. comes to earth. 
but this lovely, amazing picture. And then as Jesus goes, uh, returns to heaven, like the thing that he pushes and pushes on his disciples is, okay, I'm going, but <laughs> the spirit is coming. Right. And so right. even though uh, uh, this situation will change in one sense with, with me incarnate here on earth, oh, God is proving once again that he's coming to mm. you through mm -hmm. my spirit. And so it's this continual pushing back of uh, against this idea that God ever mm -hmm. is far off or right. distant or, mm -hmm. or disconnected from us. Hmm. And so I, I don't remember if he closes the chapter with this or not. Maybe he opens the chapter. <laughs> maybe it's in the middle of the chapter. I don't actually so remember. <laughs> uh, those really are the three choices, <laughs> the three beginning, in the middle, or at right. the end. Yeah. Uh, but I really liked the picture that he, he takes this idea of C.S. Lewis and when he talks about sort of finding your rest in Jesus and how mm -hmm. Jesus sympathizing with us because he has experienced the temptation, the testing that we have, but yet done it without sin. Mm -hmm. I love the picture that he borrows from C.S. Lewis, and now I'm borrowing from <laughs> Portland from C.S. Lewis. <laughs> uh, because C.S. Lewis talks about this idea that it, it's not about uh, that Jesus, because he's without sin, now can't, he doesn't know what it's like to be us uh, and that he now that we can't it doesn't hinder his solidarity or our union with him but rather because he was perfect because he did it without sin he can even more so understand our temptation and the illustration he uses something like he says the temptation is like walking against the wind mm -hmm. and that eventually sure. you yeah. and I we are going to give in to the fight and we're gonna lie down to get out of the wind and we're gonna give in to the temptation and the struggle but Jesus, since he never gives in, he keeps going and mm. pushing against the wind mm -hmm. further than we have ever made it as, mm -hmm. as sinful humans. And so when you think of it in that way, his faithfulness and his righteousness in the midst of temptation and struggle doesn't mean he can't mm. understand we're going through. It actually means he went so much further yeah. than we did right. and did it faithfully. Mm. And I thought that like that's... That's one of those illustrations, like, oh, I need to remember that and like yeah. imprint that onto mm -hmm. my heart because it's beautiful. Yes. And it helps me yeah. get this passage in mm -hmm. a way that I never did before. Yes. I agree. I think that I can, if I'm just quickly reading over that passage, it's easy to think like, oh, well, if you were tempted but you never sinned, that's a lot easier than being tempted and giving in. And I think that that illustration really helped me to see how, you know that enduring Jesus is mm -hmm. yeah. is not that actually gives that verse a lot more depth. Um, whereas mm -hmm. in the past, I would have been tempted to to take that lighter. Yeah, get almost flipped it. For me. Yeah, and I think even uh, earlier in Hebrews, I think it's in two. Jesus is called. Well, I think it's the pioneer in the ESV. Uh, or the forerunner other places. Yeah, and it's even that similar right. idea that Jesus right. that Jesus went in front of us uh, yeah. as Jesus goes in front of us and mm -hmm. we, he's gone further than we have. And now because he's gone there, it makes right. it possible for us to go. Yes. And so mm -hmm. if you use that illustration of the wind, it's like Jesus mm -hmm. has gone so far into the wind perfectly that now he accomplishes it, does it perfectly, dies for us and now yeah. in his resurrection now he can bring us through right. that temptation right. and it's it's a lovely picture and it is uh, yeah it mm. shapes the way that i think about yeah. this passage and and my relationship with jesus mm. i think in many ways mm -hmm. yeah 
Well, I appreciate you hopping on here, Aaron, and being willing to chat with us. Thank and, you. And uh, looking forward to reading more and more of this book. Thank you for listening to The Heart of Christ, a podcast of Wheatland Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit wheatlandpca.org.